What if consistently publishing content was bad for your blog? Hi, I'm Jared Krause. I am the host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and today I'm speaking with Mira Kothand, who is an author of several best-selling books, including The One-Hour Content Plan, Selling the Intangible, The Blog Startup, and since 2015, she has helped over 100,000 small business owners and creatives lead through the noise by radically changing how they approach content, all without being on social media 24-7. <laughs> now, through her programs and courses and one-to-one strategic coaching and other things that she offers, she's helped clients and customers market their business with a content ecosystem that oozes authority, melts resistance, and inspires dream clicks from clients. Now, her work has been featured on Business Insider, Marketing Proofs, Business News Weekly, and several other sites. And in this podcast episode, Miro and I talk about where most people go wrong with their content creation and why there is something far more important than consistency, especially for blogging. We also talk about how to create a content plan that covers each part of your user's journey, how to bridge the gap from content consumption to your readers loving and wanting to work with you. We also talk about when to use an email list and what types of call to actions to use for different types of content. And I share why I believe people don't focus on email marketing or building an email list for their blog, which is just something that is plucked out of the air for me. It was just an insight that I got throughout that podcast in itself. We also talk about how to repurpose or create content specifically for social media that generate, generates leads and sales, but only when warranted on each platform and how to create content for each specific platform, but with knowing which platform to choose to share content on for your actual audience, which is what I share on the pod as well. There's so much value in this podcast episode. I know you guys are going to love it. If you guys are looking to buy a content site and grow it, this one is for you. Enjoy. What's up? This is Jared, and I am stoked to have you here. Before we dive into the show, I want to remind you that for a limited time, you can get one-to-one voice note mentoring with me to help you buy and grow your online business. I'm opening up just a few slots of voice note coaching to give you one-to-one access to me via Coachbox. You'll tell me your goals and challenges, and we'll work through them together. I'll ask questions, I'll tell you what I think, and we'll get you ticking boxes and achieving your online income goals. You can message me anytime and I'll respond within 48 hours. Right now, you can get 20% off by using the coupon code JARYD, that's J-A-R-Y-D, and I'll drop the link in the show notes so you can find out more. Until then, let's get on with the episode. Mira, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jared. Did I get the pronunciation correctly? Spot on. Yes, you did. Cool, cool. All right, I, I just got off your website actually and had a look and damn, you have some good copywriting skills. Just have to, I just have to appreciate that from you. Uh, well done. It's good. Really good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a couple of years to learn the skill though because, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't come naturally to you. Mm. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely a skill that can be learned. Yeah, for sure. yeah I agree. Uh, I think it has helped me in business and out of business in so many ways. It's helped me become a better storyteller, better to listen to as just a human being. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's a valuable skill to have. It's it's a sales skill, right? And all we do in life is sales, marketing and sales. We're always marketing ourselves, yeah. selling ourselves typically. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's for money or not. But yeah. So uh, we might dive back into copywriting later because I'm sure it's gonna be a part of a part of this whole process of creating pretty epic content, which is what you do and you help people do. So where do most people trip up when trying to create winning content, or like a winning content plan that in your in your quotes oozes authority? Wow, yeah. Um, I think the biggest trip up is people always associate consistency with content. And they think that as long as they're consistent, then their content is good or they have it in the bag, mm. which cannot be further from the truth because you can be very consistent. You have an email go out every week. You have something on social. You write blog posts week after week. But it it's very likely that sometimes when you do all of that, it doesn't really contribute to your sales. It doesn't contribute to attracting an audience that's um, the right fit for you. So for me, I think this is the biggest thing that I see people get wrong in that they think that they're safe as long as they're consistent. Um, you know, yeah. So I, I think I, for me, it's a little bit of a cringe and um, it has kind of inspired me to do a lot of the work that I have done um, because it's really good meaning, you know, well-intentioned entrepreneurs and creatives who just are on that bandwagon of, okay, create, 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 but they don't really think about, okay, Am I attracting the right person? Is is this the right fit? Should I even do this? Yeah. Wow. So people, I agree. Like I can see where people are on the hamster wheel of output and putting content out there and they're consistently putting content out there but consistently putting out bad content at times. Yeah. <laughs> so consistency isn't always good. Consistency can be one or the other. You can consistently have good content or you can consistently have bad content or consistently mediocre content. Uh, so that's a really, really good distinction uh, between just content and consistency and the quality. So if people are putting out content, they're on the hamster wheel and they're not attracting the, the money that they want and they're not serving the people in the way they want to serve people, how do that how do that how do you attract the right people through the through your content so a couple of things for me i always like to see think about who exactly it is that i'm speaking to and i know we we all have heard about doing the ideal you know the customer avatar exercise it's <laughs> you know i know most people are like why not that again but you know specifically more than just okay who is your ideal client it's about thinking about where you want to start the conversation because you can, you know, three different businesses might be speaking to the same person, mm -hmm. but at different stages in their journey. So that person might be someone maybe two years back who is completely unaware of whatever it is that you're talking about. Two years in, they might be just kind of exploring their pain points. Or perhaps a one year in, they might be someone who is a little bit more aware. They have perhaps you know, bought into different solutions before, but they're still looking for the right kind of support. So it's the same person, but it's just at different um, stages in their journey. So it's kind of like, you know, the customer journey. So I like to think about, and what I always um, stress is think about where exactly you're starting the conversation. Mm -hmm. 
Are you starting the conversation at the point that, okay, this is someone who knows and identifies with the pain point you're talking about? Is this someone who has searched for other solutions before? They've bought before. Mm. Um, depending on who exactly this person is, the type of content you write is going to be a little bit different. Because speaking to someone who's just exploring pain points versus someone who has explored solution and is and is tired of the solutions out there or tired of the solutions that they've bought into, it's going to be slightly different. So always try to figure out, okay, where exactly am I starting the conversation? I think that's that's like the first thing that you can do. It, it takes the ideal customer avatar exercise a step further. It, it gives it a little bit of nuance, I would say. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the first thing. And then beyond that, you want to think, okay, so this is where I want to start the conversation. Then what does this person need from me in order to say yes to me down the road? You know, because your person comes in with lots of things that they need to unlearn from. You know, they've got things that they believe that that are not necessarily true. There are beliefs that you need to reframe and help them shift. So you need to kind of plot out, okay, this person who is coming into my world, what do I need to help them unlearn? Or what do I need to help them shift? So this is what I like to call perspective shifting content. So you're not just putting content that's out there. That's all how-tos and tips and you know steps to doing something. You want to help shift perspectives. I think that's the kind of content that truly stands out, especially today when there's so much noise. And perspective, changing people's perspectives, is that offering, is that content where you're, breaking down and proving some philosophies or theories wrong and sh- and sharing a different different viewpoint? Yeah, that could be part of it. Um, I mean, in my work with a lot of clients, what I've seen is many people hold on to misconceptions about the way it should be done or the right way it should be done. Um, and you, who is someone, you know, you could be a consultant, you could be a coach, you could be a service provider – you would know that, hey, you know, this is, isn't necessarily true. What they're thinking isn't necessarily true. So you are telling them to kind of unlearn and think about it in a different perspective. You're helping them reframe and view it from a different angle. So these could be mistakes or myths or misconceptions. It could also be objections that they have, not to your offer, but to your process, mm. like your way of doing it. You know, you could have objections to that. Like some people could say, I don't think this would work for me because I'm an introvert. Or I don't think this would work for me because um, I'm very new to this. Or I've done this before. It hasn't worked. How is this different? So what you're trying to do is you're trying to reframe all of this and, and you're trying to change perspective. So this is what I mean by perspective shifting content. But very often what people do is the moment they get them in, they immediately just start talking about their solution. Oh, this is my offer. This is what I do. You know, sign me up for a call. And it, it's keep, they keep hitting the solution, but they don't think about this person that needs to reframe and shift and all of that. Mm. So you mean they need a bit more time to, uh, to digest this, the, the, the perspective shift before they go, oh, yeah, this is the right, this is the right person for me or the right service or product that I need at this time rather than just what you, you, you're saying that they just go, here's my product and you need it because I need to change your perspective rather than like, let me just leave a different perspective here for you, mull it over and then come back to me when you think it's right or if it is right, then we can we can help you. Yeah, exactly. I think 
many people think that okay the moment someone comes in they are they're ready you know and and it's it, it very often is not that that's not the case mm. um there is we all if you think about many of the products that we buy sometimes you know we think about it we find more information we ask a friend we ask a colleague um we we gather information and we we process and and we think about okay is this the right offer for me um unless of course it's like an impulse buy you know you're at at the lane in the supermarket you've got your your chocolates or candy and then that's kind of like an insult you know an impulse buy you don't need a lot of processing but for any other thing that you're buying you know whether it's like a big huge television or you know or even if it's like a Business. a course that you're buying yeah exactly and you know it's you need to think about things you need to see numbers you need to think about okay is this the right fit for me um you need to be sometimes convinced as well and this requires some time and that is where your content can handhold them through the journey um whatever it is that you're selling oh you're speaking to people that are having their hand held right now as they listen to this podcast on them digesting and processing whether they're buying a business is right for them and how much they should spend when where how should i even use jared's help or can i do it on my own wink wink nudge nudge if you don't use my help get somebody's help uh <laughs> uh so that comes to what how i like to create content in, in not in the form of text um but video and audio is I like to create content that help people digest and process if this is the right strategy for them in their wealth creation journey or replacing their income. And then also through that content, I don't know if people realize this, is I allow this content to be criteria and dis dis disclude people and then include the right people. So <clears throat> what i say and what i suggest and stuff like that i'm pushing people away that aren't right for this method to somewhere else and i'm harnessing and and uh culturing and bringing people in that are right for this process through the content we create is that what you're talking about when it comes to building a brand and authority in your space yeah it's i mean what you're saying is you you are intentionally repelling some people away correct by talking about your process and method because yeah not everyone is going to be the right fit and sometimes when we shy away from addressing things head on you know when we kind of take like a we're not being authoritative we're not being strong in our message then we can kind of be attracting and speaking to everyone which is not what we want because we we really want our content to repel some people away make it very clear that hey this is not for you if you are you know x y and z mm -hmm. but if you kind of fit this criteria then yes this process would be the best for you you know you would be the best fit to work with me um or something like that is exactly what you want your content to say yeah. and it's difficult if you're very wishy-washy you know if you're not very strong in your message mm -hmm. um yeah it's a way of pre-vetting people yeah yeah cool. so <clears throat> now once we know all right we we know our avatar we know the different stages of their journey they're going on or they're going to be on um do you do you focus on creating content for each part of the journey and if so where do you start with that journey in in terms of content creation yeah so 
I guess it, it, it really depends. So if, you know, Jared, just to take your example, if someone is looking to buy um, a business, for some people, they might need to be even convinced that this is something that they should do. Mm-hmm. For others, they might already be considering that, but, you know, they don't really know the right steps. Um, for some of them, they might have done it before. They might not have had a good experience and they're looking for someone else to handhold them through the process. So it depends on, okay, where exactly you want to come in. Do you want to help people who even need to be convinced that this is the right step? Or do you want to come in at a point where they're already curious and then they're like, okay, yes, I do want to purchase the business. I know this is right, but I don't know the right steps to do. So that could be someone else. Mm. So it, it's for me, from what I've experienced, is it's a lot easier to start talking to people who are at least curious about what it is that you do. You know, they know they're aware that this is something that they want to explore. They, they know that the pain points are there um, and they're looking for right solutions. And it's good to start the conversation there. And from there, you kind of plot out, okay, this is someone, I've spoken to someone like this before. I've worked with someone like this before. What are their stages? Typically, okay, they come in, they have a rough idea of what they want to do. The next stage is perhaps they don't really know the type of um, perhaps blogs or online sites that would be a right fit for them. And then the next stage would be, okay, what are the things that I need to be evaluating when I am looking to buy the site, for instance? So you want to create content along all of these different streams. You don't just want to keep talking about pain points because there are going to be people who find you who are a little bit more advanced, who do know that, hey, I want to do this, but I don't really know how to evaluate a site perhaps. So you want to offer them content from that angle. So when you do it in this way, yes, you will attract people who are more advanced. You will also attract people who are at the beginning stages, but still your ideal client if you give them a little bit of time, a little bit of hand-holding. So yeah, you do want to create content for um, different stages of the customer journey, but be very specific of where you want to start the customer journey. So whether with someone who is aware or completely unaware, be very clear about where you want to start and from there kind of plot out the stages. Great, great. And once somebody is in consuming content, what's the next logical step? to take them on their journey is like, all right, they've read a couple of blogs uh, and they're like, hmm, this is interesting. What's the next step? Do you sell them a big, fat $5,000 product uh, or do you have something else in front of it or what? what's typically the best process to go to get getting people to work with you? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, people are creating content. It's costing them time. It's costing them money. They need to get an ROI. Where do you go? Where do you go from here? Yeah. So there are a few different options. For me, I used to swear by getting people on your email list because for me, I felt like, okay, the moment I get them on my email list, I know that I can convert them through my emails. I know that I'll be able to get their buy-in. But I think, you know, you can do it in a slightly different way. And it really depends on the type of content that you are sharing. So if the content that you have, the example that I shared just now, if your piece of content is talking about how they can evaluate Um, a site before they buy it. So if someone is on reading or viewing a video like that, it kind of says that, hey, this is someone who's a little bit more advanced. You know, they're looking at how to evaluate um, a site before they purchase it. Uh, And for that, they might be ready to actually get someone to walk them through the process 
or to kind of help them with it. So for a piece of content like that, a call to action like, you know, sign up for a free discovery call with Jared or, or you know, apply for to work with Jared, something like that might be better mm. compared to if it's, you know, should you be buying a business? Something like that yeah. would be for someone who is really just exploring that. Mm. So for someone who is reading that kind of content, it would be good to just have a simple lead magnet, get them on into your email list and then start sending them emails. So I think the call to action, you can be a little bit smart about it, be intentional and kind of bury those. Um, so I used to get everyone onto my email list, like I said, but now I'm just trying to kind of stagger. And the, the key thing is trust your person, trust them to know to do what it is that you want them to do. Because there is no way that you can you know, say that, okay, this person is going to come to this piece of content and then go here and go here. You, there's no way that you can really time it like that mm. or you can predict that this is the journey that they're going to take. Mm. But as long as you've done your due diligence and you know that, okay, this, this is for this person, this call to action makes the most sense and you kind of do all of those steps, just trust in the process that they will know how to come and find you. And yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So... Tell me about email marketing. Why why do most bloggers put email marketing on the back burner or just completely forget about it? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, right? I mean, um, I've been talking about email for the past like seven years, but it's still something that always ends up on the back burner. For me, I think it's because people always see email as something that is different or separate from their other pieces of content, you know, whether they're doing social media or they have a podcast or a YouTube channel, they're, they're just not able to integrate email into their other pieces of content. They, they don't really know how. So email is always like, it just always sticks out like a sore thumb. So I think that's the reason why people are, it, it always just ends up as one of those things that never gets done. Um, but the more you know how to integrate email into your plans, into your business, into even whatever it is that you're doing, your marketing plans, the easier it's going to be um, and the better the results are going to be as well. Because most people kind of have like a, you know, fly by the seat of your pants kind of approach to, you know, email. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to, I have to sell something next week. And then they send an email this week. That's not the kind of approach that you want. You want to be top of mind with your email list. You want to be nurturing an audience. And you can actually set up a lot of systems in place to have all of this done on auto for you. Um, so it might take you a little bit of time initially, but once you have the initial setup done, it's just going to keep working for you year, you know, day in, day out. Um, so I think that lack of intention and just being really clueless about how email fits into the other pieces of your business is the main reason why people just are not able to get get onto it i also think yeah you're right it's a big barrier of like oh how do i set up my email and how do i get it all working <clears throat> and i think people don't realize that the value that an email list actually has for me i see that having an email or having people on my email list is the bridge. Like I've got the content here and people are consuming the content, but to, to start working with me, it's like get on the email list, learn a little bit more and then build more trust. You'll get more content sent to you. That helps build that bridge to getting to people like, All right, well now you're going to get insane value because you're going to work with us. And without that bridge, 
I feel like you're bringing people in and spending all this money on content creation and you're keeping people there, but you're kind of like, well, hang on, like don't get too close to me because I just want to keep you as cold traffic, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. yeah. No, and, and the thing is, I think email is just not very sexy compared to like something like social media, <laughs> you know. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I, so, so yeah, I, I completely agree. And they're like, okay, send me all this traffic, but then they don't know, okay, what do I do with the traffic? They don't think about the after. It's not about going viral. Going viral, yes, it works for some businesses if you're running ads. But for most of us, okay, what, what do you do with that traffic? You want to be able to do something with that traffic. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think email is not – this could be it, actually. Email is hidden from the public. And social media and your content is not. And we don't get much vanity from our email lists. And that could definitely be the thing. Like the outward success, you know, people can't tell. People like I tell people how good my email is and people tell me how good my emails are. Uh, But the public doesn't know that. I don't get likes and recognition for how awesome my emails are. Uh, Other than not in the public eye, but I'd get it privately when people email me, but it's not out in the public eye. And I feel that that could be a thing where people are like, oh, like I need to make sure my business looks good or, you know, that could be a thing. Whereas actually... Actually, I love that. Yeah. The gratification, right? I, I actually never thought of that. that that's, well, that just came to me just now. On, I was yeah. just like, oh, hang on a second. It's hidden. It's not in yeah. the public eye, is it? Yeah, it's that vanity and that instant gratification that social media gives that email doesn't. Mm, mm. Yeah, I love that. I love, uh, I love hidden success and uh, knowing the deep knowing of being successful without having to boast it and show it. I know yeah. maybe it's just me because I like it makes me way more a far more confident person. Uh, knowing that I have my own level of success in what I think is success to me it may not be for other people, but just the deep knowing of like, yep, yeah, that's a that's a huge win, and it's not doesn't need to be in the public eye. Like if you look at my Instagram, like for this business, we've got like hardly, and we've got a small YouTube channel. Well, it's it's growing, but uh, like from the back end, people don't understand like like how valuable a business is until they are in the business or they see see what's going on in the business. Uh, but a lot of people, are, I feel, focusing on like, I just need to get all the content out there and I need to be seen on all the platforms. Whereas like if you just had like one, if you just had like 15 to 50 really good pieces of content on your site and it took people from each stage of the journey and then you got them into the back end, you could have a million dollar business without people even seeing that. You're like, oh, how could a 50, 50 blog website have a million dollar business? I'll tell you what, there's businesses out that have less less blogs on their site that make far more than a million dollars. Yeah. 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 It's it's sad that we are all judged on the number of followers that we have mm. on um, on social media. But what what you said is really true. There are people who are rarely on social media. They don't really do anything on their profiles and anything like that. But they have, um, you know, six-figure businesses, uh, million-dollar businesses. They, and it's 
being very lean, very simple. But what they've done consistently is that trust that they've built, not by just pushing content, but is by, you know, being intentional with building a connection with the audience. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> sticking with email list, what type of email marketing should a blogger be doing? I think very basics is the moment someone comes in, you want to have a nurture sequence. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, they, yeah, they don't really have that set up. And, and it, it can be interesting that, you know, there's been so much awareness about building a welcome email series and nurture sequence, but a lot of people still don't have that set up. So one of the, the basic things you want to do is to have a nurture sequence. Um, for me, apart from that, it, that does not have to be like a 90 day sequence or a, you know, 160 day sequence. It could just be, it could just something that goes over seven to 10 days. And the reason is because this person is new, you know, they're still getting used to your brand, your perspectives, whatever it is that you have, what you are about. So you want to get, give them like a taste of what your brand and business is about. And that's the whole purpose of your nurture sequence. It's also a great way to build authority. So the moment someone comes in, you want to have a welcome email go up and then emails after that. So you don't want something, someone signing up and then the next time they hear from you is maybe three weeks later because you just came back on vacation. Um, you want to have your nurture sequence set up on auto to just go out to everyone that comes in. Mm. Um, you know, beyond that, for me, the way that I've built up, that they built everything is whatever they're signing up for, you know, if it's a lead magnet they're signing up for, I make sure that the emails that they receive in the sequence after that is tied to that pain point. Um, and you know, if let's say you're talking about two different things with, with two different pain points, you want to be able to build pathways to serve different pain points. And this is something that will not happen immediately. It takes time. Like I've done this over years, but, um, for someone who's just starting out very simple, a nurture sequence, and then have an email editorial planner, you know, think about, okay, am I going to send an email once a week or once every two weeks, you know, kind of fix on a frequency and then plan your emails based on that. For me, I like to plan around like a team or a campaign so that I don't have to keep switching topics week to week to week. So maybe the entire May, I'm going to just talk about email or entire June, I'm just going to do content um, or blogging or something like that. And then this way, it's very easy for me to plan out, okay, what am I going to do on week one, week two, week three, rather than keep switching between topics. Yeah. I really love that as a strategic plan and having each month you have a different theme that you can be like, all right, I've built out my content for that month. How much emphasis do you put on people uh, creating and banking up content uh, and and then releasing it over a period of time so they have they don't feel so stuck in the business? Like do you is that something you you share with people to do? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I do recommend batching. So I I don't recommend writing one email at a time. For me, again, this, I think, it comes naturally to some people, it doesn't. For me, I like to write at least four to six emails at a time. Like, you know, I would just do the outline and then another day I would just batch write all of them. Um, this way, like, I can look a month ahead and I know exactly all of the emails that need to go out. Um, you could do it up to two months, you know, or maybe a quarter, but sometimes you want to have a little bit of space in there for any changes. You know, if, if let's say you want to talk about something else if, or if there's something that is urgent that's happening in the space that you want to address, like, you know, maybe um, the AI or whatever it is. And you feel that, you know, I need to kind of break my schedule to talk about this that's happening. 
or something that's relevant for your audience or that's happening in the country where most of your ideal clients are. You want to have a little bit of gap. And, and if you have very, very tight schedule, then it's difficult for you to you know, have that flexibility. Mm. So yes, batch writing is great, but, but um, you don't have to do it like two, three, four months in advance. For me, I like to keep it like six weeks. I think you're good. Six to eight weeks, you're, you're very good. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. And also for uh, say a piece of, say a piece of content is scheduled in for 2 weeks time and you're like oh there's a there's a uh, there's something that I need to share that's an industry update that needs to go out. You can create that piece of content and then just put it into where it should be in 2 weeks time and then reschedule the one that's 2 weeks time for 8 weeks away or the next week that has not yet been scheduled in. You can just plug it into where it needs to go, right? Yeah, exactly. I think the key thing is, is whatever I'm sharing, serving my audience. And if something needs to be said right now that is going to serve them more or something that's top of mind, I would say, yes, absolutely do what you did. You know, like just unschedule, plan it for later on and then push this content in. So at the end of the day, it's really what your audience needs to hear from you. Mm. And you want to be timely as well. Mm. So Mira, what are, what are the two to three biggest questions or the biggest things that you help your clients with when they come to you and like, Hey, I want to, I want you to help me scale my blog. What are those two to three biggest things that you work on with them? I think for me, most people come to me because they want to get, they want to get organized in a sense. They have lots of different pieces of content, but they don't really know how everything fits within a system that could ultimately go to sell their products and services. So they've got products and services, they've got content, but there's really isn't a bridge to kind of merge both of those. So for me, I come in and I look at everything and I see how they can be organized and structured and built up into their own sales systems, you know, and, and, and automate that. So it could be email, it could be whatever it is that they're sharing on, um, on a LinkedIn, or it could even be the type of content that they want to share when they are invited as a guest for other people's podcasts. So it's really about building an ecosystem where everything kind of feeds into one another. And when someone comes into your brand, you know, and, and they come, come into your world, they have a very nice journey built up for them through content to kind of handhold them through the customer journey. Um, that is, I, I, I mean, that's like the big thing that I help a lot of people with. But within that, there are many different pieces. Like email is one component. Building out nurture sequences is another one. Um, but the yeah, the ultimate goal is really to have an eye on the customer journey and make sure everything is speaking to that ideal client. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so when you've got that ecosystem, is that you helping that business owner or that blogger understand the different stages that people are in on their journey and then creating content for each stage to bridge the gap to the products and services that they're wanting to sell and promote. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Because some people, they, they, they don't even realize, but they've got too much of one type of content. So they have too much of content that only deals with a person who is in the exploratory stages, who is just you know, and, you know, trying to be, who's just curious and trying to, you know, find more information, but they don't have information for someone who is further down the customer journey, someone who is actually looking for solutions right this second. So that is what I would, I, you know, I view as a content gap. So when you identify that, then you know that that's something that you want to tackle and you want to, when you plan your content calendar, you want to write pieces of content that would serve that person. 
because any piece of content, specifically for blog posts, it takes some time for you know SEO to kind of kick in. Mm-hmm. But you want to have all of those pieces there for people to even start finding in the first place. So like you said, yes, spot on. You, we, we want to kind of do an audit in a sense and see where there are gaps and where we can where we want to fit in. The same thing goes for nurture sequences. People don't realize that your nurture sequence is kind of like um, you're taking them through a journey with your nurture sequence. So if you're going to be talking about the same type of thing within your nurture sequence, it's not doing you, your business, or your ideal client justice. You want to be able to see if your nurture sequence mirrors their customer journey. And if there are gaps, you want to plug that in with relevant emails. So yes, that, that's what we do. Cool. When you've got all this content created, say all of these blogs created, how do you go about repurposing those to go out on, say, LinkedIn or social different platforms of social media? Is that a thing that you, you have people do? or And if so, how? How do you get them to share it? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm not a... Yes, repurposing is important, but I... I don't like the idea of just taking something and then putting it on different platforms. For me, I don't really see that as repurposing. For me, I would rather you um, take the gist of it and then kind of tailor that piece of content to a different platform. Because for LinkedIn, you would have to, there's a different style. Or for Instagram, it's a slightly different style. So you want to actually take the gist of it and then turn it so that it is suitable for the style of platform in which you're sharing. Um, so, and, and I would suggest just picking one. You know, people like to be all over the place and then they, and it's good in practice, but it's difficult if you don't really have a team to do it for you. Mm. Um, and so if you are, you're, you're just one person and maybe you have a VA to help you with it, I would still suggest just picking one other platform where you can repurpose your content. Get that to be like a regular part of your process and then you branch out. I like that. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And for somebody that's thinking like, all right, I've got a blog, which platform should I choose? Typically what I like to tell people is like, think about where are the people in your niche hanging out? Which platform would they most likely be hanging out on? And also to add to that, what type of content do would they consume? right? Do they want the video, the audio, or just the imagery, the text, the short little video snippets? Uh, How do we, you know, where are they? How are they consuming the content? And then how do you take your blog, I guess, and construct it, construct a snippet or a portion of it into content that fits that medium or that platform? Say, for example, if it was Instagram, or LinkedIn, what would you suggest? Would you, are you suggesting people have maybe one image from the blog post, but then also uh, recreate the messaging and wording in the from the from the blog to fit that on that particular platform, say Instagram, and then have like at the end, you know, get the full blog post on the site, or is how, how would you? Yeah, I mean, do that? Th- I mean that could be one way. For me, I, I like. Yeah, that could definitely be one way. Or you could just pick one point mm. and then do um, an IG live on it. Or, you know, just one point and then do a reel or something yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. So it's it's not just getting them to go back, but you are really tailoring that content for Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I suggest. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's also like you said, it depends on where, in what other ways do your ideal people 
like to consume content. You know, if they are not really on Instagram, then why would you want to repurpose on Instagram? Or if they're not on LinkedIn, why would you want to do it on LinkedIn? So be very clear about where these people are hanging out and what type of content, in what mediums do they like to consume this content? Mm. Yeah. And do you put emphasis on having them go back to your main piece of content? For example, if you were going to do uh, Instagram Live, um, or Instagram video or reel or whatever it is. And the blog was say the 15 best ways to uh, dunk a basketball or something like that. Would you have, um, would you have one like reel on one of the ways on how to dunk the basketball and say like, that's just one way that I explain how you can do it. Check out our, check out the full blog on the website, like a call to action that way. Or do you just, share the content and just keep sharing it there and then and 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 just keep it all like try help them keep the keep it all on one platform like yeah yeah the the thing is i mean i'll be honest i'm not a huge fan of social media um because i think depending on the platform sometimes it's it just doesn't do very well for you to generate leads like you know like like a place like instagram it's good for connecting mm not really good for building an email. It doesn't mean that you can't make that invitation. For me, I'm a huge fan of email marketing. So I always, always suggest, yes, do social and whatever not, but always have an invitation for people to get back onto your email list. Mm. Because in the event that your account gets hacked or closed or shut down or whatever it is, at least you have your people on your email list and you can send them an email. Because I've heard horror stories of you know people having huge accounts being shut down for no reason. So, um, yes, have that invitation, but also be aware that sometimes, depending on the type of platform it is that you're sharing, like something like Instagram, it's better for connection, mm. it's better for brand awareness, might not be as good to build an email list. Um, doesn't mean you don't make an invitation. Still do, but just just be aware of that. Don't do it yeah. as heavy as as some of the other platforms, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think be very clear about you, the goal of why you're being on that platform. On that platform, if you see somebody promoting their email list or over-promoting something that is not normal on that platform, you're going to stand out and look like a, a shady snake oil salesman, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Spot on. So where can we send people to find out more about you? Should we send them to your website? But we've also got two different books I'm going to link to as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if people are interested in content and email, the, the easiest way to kind of get acquainted with whatever it is I share is my book, The One Hour Content Plan, as well as 300 Email Marketing Tips on Amazon. Yeah. Great. Great. I'll be linking to them in the show notes. Guys, thank you for listening. Mira, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate you jumping on and sharing. Some thank value. you so much for having me. Yeah, welcome. Everybody, I don't typically ask for you guys to subscribe, and I'm not going to do that now either. But what I will ask you to do is share this podcast episode with somebody. Give them the gift of giving value on how to grow a blog. It's going to help me. Yep, it's going to help Mira. Great. But most of all, it's going to help the person you share this podcast with. And that's what we're doing this for anyway, isn't it, Mira? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys. Speak to you soon.